Who never do for do? Yeah, wings with friends. Ah, wings with friends. You got to get the wings to be with the friends. Ah, hey everybody! Welcome back to Wings with Friends. I'm your host, Mary Upchurch. Happy pandemic. I still feel like that is not the right thing to say, but I can't help but say, happy pandemic. It's stupid. People are dying, Mary. Stop it. Um, anyway, um, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am delighted to sit down via Zoom with a wonderful comic. Uh, please welcome Lisa Curry. Hey, thank you for having me. How are you, Lisa? I'm really good, thank you. Oh, it's so nice to see you. Um, <laughs> I, Lisa and I got to work together earlier or late last year. It was in December. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I got to bring you your robe to LA. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. I bought, um, on a later trip to Phoenix, I bought this like weird um, robe, I guess. Um, looks like a cult leader kind of robe. Yeah. Oh, I didn't buy it yet when I was there. Like maybe you pre-ordered it? I... I waited to buy it because they do that the vintage shop excuse me the vintage shop I got it from does 50% off of everything the last Saturday of the month and it was a $400 robe so I'm like I'm gonna wait till the last Saturday so then I called and bought it over the phone and then I was like well I don't know how the fuck to get it that's right, right you saw it and then you bought it when they had the sale and you were like do any of my Phoenix friends want to pick this up and I was like I do and it turns out it was down the street from my house and then I ended up oh. planning a trip to L.A. in early February, which was, like, the funnest week. And then you came to Phoenix that same week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, like, kind of a ridiculous thing where you are were already coming out here. And then the last minute, I got a gig in Phoenix. So then it's, like, I could have picked up the damn robe myself, but... No, we should have... I mean, the robe, is that's cool, but we should have done an apartment swap. Yeah. That would have been cool. That, yeah. Because I, I live, like, uh, three blocks, or I live a very minimal amount of blocks from Stand Up Live. It's so perfect there. I did say, wait, where did I stay on that trip? Oh, I stayed with Hannah. Yeah. Why can't I remember that? How can you forget it? I'm sure, did she make you a charcuterie board? No, but she made me breakfast, and it was delicious. She's such a, she's such a delight. I told you. I was like, you know what? You should stay with Hannah. She's got an extra room. She's like your biggest fan. <laughs> she's so sweet. Yeah, it's nice to know people around towns and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, um, definitely. So that's how I got to know Lisa Curry. Um, and it's been fun following you on Twitter and Instagram um, since then. Um, but you also had some fantastic wings, or I think you had wings. Um, wait, let me back up. Well, you had some wings. Huh? We're going to talk about that. But before I do, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Let us know, like, who you are, what you do, what's your jam, and what yeah. makes you so special? <laughs> You're so sweet. <laughs> um, I'm a comic and a TV writer. Um, I, uh, I would describe my stand-up as smart, dark, and deeply personal. Um... And I've been very lucky and I've toured the U.S. a decent amount. And I've toured, last year I did a huge tour of Europe and um, ended up with a show in Jordan. 
and I've written for a handful of shows, including most recently the Jim Jeffrey show on Comedy Central, which I love, and I love, love, love sociopolitical comedy yeah. or political comedy so much. Um, so that is my jam. Oh my gosh, I love it. So you've done a fair amount of touring in, in Europe. I mean, how does that different differ from comedy in the U.S.? Like, what do you like about it? What's different? What should people know about it? Um, I, you know what, Perform, performing mostly in Los Angeles, I would say the one thing I really love so much is that audience members there, people love comedy and they love watching somebody perform and they love watching you work out material. Like I did last year, I did a festival <coughs> where, uh, my, my shows for that, for that festival I labeled it a work in progress because I'm like, well, I'm just working on this. It's all brand new stuff. I literally have notes on stage that I'm reading. Um, and it was packed because people love to watch the process. And I think I have this theory. I think Americans, part, partly because of our healthcare system that is uh, non-existent, uh, because, of our, because a lot of people are just like, surviving day to day in this country and we don't have a good work-life balance a lot of people are really drawn to the idea of striking it rich I, I feel like that's a more more american thing than than it feels it feels uh very american is yeah. what i'm trying to say you know like, what and people, and i'm mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt you i was oh, you right. said that it hit a nerve because i was thinking about all the shows we watched in the 80s were about like poor families and you all you wanted was for them to strike it rich. Yeah. Uh, Roseanne, married with children. I remember thinking, can they just And then Roseanne did and everyone hated it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah, please continue. I feel like people here are like everyone's so desperate to uh, win the lottery or win a sweepstakes because because the idea of working in your job that's barely keeping you alive and climbing up in that somehow or pulling yourself out of poverty is daunting. Uh, sorry, this is a very complicated theory. No, I like it. But here's where it connects to comedy. People, audiences here, I, I think because everyone thinks like, because of that, everyone thinks like, oh, maybe I'm a star. Maybe I could be a star and I could make a ton of money. And so they don't have a respect really for the arts where in England, they have a more of a work-life balance. Uh, the the pay people make is more it makes more sense to what they're paying to live, and they have healthcare. So there isn't there's there's like this missing piece uh, that that they don't have that Americans have of this like. And I'm not saying that people aren't poor there or there aren't people that are desperate, but it feels overwhelming here that everyone is trying to strike it rich in like an overnight scheme where that doesn't seem to exist as much in London. So, or like England, the UK. So people in Europe, people sit back and relax and watch comedy and they love it. And they really appreciate artists because they have a job. That's fine. They're not desperate. They're, they're, so, Whatever their job is, it like is, a competitive, competitive jealousy or something? Sort of. I, I guess. I, I guess it's like. I don't know. I know this is like really complicated and convoluted, but I feel like there's just a respect for art that yeah. we don't have. 
um, and someone will see you on stage there telling jokes and they're like, wow, that's cool that you're a comedian and you've honed your craft and that's amazing and I respect it and also I'm going to go back to my job as a garbage man. We're here, somebody sees you on stage and they're like, that's cool, I could do it. And it's like, huh? Right. Maybe, I mean, maybe, good. That, I feel you there. That's a real thinker. That is, that is. That's a really, this is a really complicated, I smoke a lot of weed at night, so. <laughs> that, well, that's the deepest anybody's gotten on the first eight minutes of the podcast. But I like it because taking that a little further, in it, I'm thinking about this, the, the anxiety, you know, I have, and I don't know about you, but like the anxiety I have about performing or trying something new, um, is I'm so reluctant to try new things because you're afraid of the judgment or the just like, huh, mm-hmm. not funny, keep next, you know, keep, keep yeah. performing and people are so critical. And then I think about the comments on like TikTok or online stuff and it's like, it kind of, your theory is kind of proven there where people are just like, Gah. it makes sense that people, I think people more so than other civilized countries are I, I, civilized. Isn't the right word. Um, than other advanced countries are desperate here. Mm-hmm. And that desperation breeds this anger and this hatred. I mean, look at what's going on politically here. That's it's psychotic that people openly have Nazi flags at rallies in 2020 in the United States. It's insane, but I don't listen. I'm not, I'm not, um, uh, forgiving of racism. Um, but I, I do think that there is a faction of those people that are where it's not where, where I think in the right environment, the racism could be removed and they could be brought around to our side I think that a lot of people are just so scared and so desperate and not getting ahead in any way and then they turn on Fox News and Fox News only serves to scare the shit out of yeah. them they see it and, as like yeah. in order for me in order, if, if, if somebody else does well I have to lose and the truth is you don't mm-hmm. have to lose and by you know like having equality and saying that black lives matter it's not saying that you don't matter and you don't. It's like we're just we're focused on that right now. And can we please stay focused on that? And I see what you're saying. It's it there can be a win win, you know. Yeah. Um Yeah. Sorry to like dive in and make it such a so weird right up top. <laughs> no, it's not. I think it's it's smart and it's thoughtful and it's sincere. And, you know, it's better than like other podcasts. Like we're just talking about our dicks. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding actually the last podcast I re- recorded the first 10 minutes we talked about dicks but that's that's okay um so I like that though I mean I, I like that you're deeper than you know um you know you're just you're, you're a thoughtful person um you did have some wings where did you get your wings from I did there's a place I didn't realize this because I haven't this is my first time going there on Melrose right by my apartment uh, called literally just called hot wings. Okay. And so I got some boneless wings with hot sauce and they're pretty tasty. Okay. So you got boneless and they're like Buffalo style. Yeah. Medium, mild, hot. I, they had hot or very hot and I got scared and I just got hot. 
I love spicy food, but I, I can't handle it. My body can't handle it. Like, I just, my eyes water and yeah. my nose runs. It's just. I'm the same way. And sometimes I love the flavor underneath mm-hmm. all that heat. And you're like, oh. But then you're like, I can't eat it. So mm-hmm. I might call it, let's see, um, Hot Wings on Melrose. Mm-hmm. Boneless Hot with Lisa Curry. Because um, we named the episode after the wings. Um, now, some wing traditionalists would be like, boneless wings aren't wings. And have I done that? Have I shamed people? Yes. But the truth is, I want people to have what they want to have instead of being like, here, we push these wings on you, you know? Um, do you, so when given the cho- choice, you'll go for boneless over bone in? Um, you know what? I was going to get bone in, but they only had bone in it like, like something like 13 or 20 pieces or something. And I'm like, that's a lot. Ah. And so the boneless was the only one that had an option of only six pieces. So I was like, oh yeah, I'll do that. Cause I'm not, I know I'm trying to eat less meat. I still yeah. love meat, um, but I'm just trying to eat less of it. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to f- have a feast of like just <laughs> meat. <laughs> just throwing bones everywhere. Yeah. No, I get it. Okay, let me ask you, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions to kind of figure out your wing constitution, even though we've, we've talked mm-hmm. about it a little bit. If you were getting bone-in wings, do you prefer the drummy or the flat? Ooh. I used to like the drums better. I kind of like the flat ones better now. Yeah, I've kind of changed like that with that too. Do you prefer like a saucy wing or a dry rub? Saucy. Yeah. Do you dip it in ranch or blue cheese or nothing? Ranch or blue cheese, whichever is there. Okay. Would you, do you eat the celery and carrots or no celery and carrots or celery or carrots? Usually, although this place, the celery and carrots don't look, um, they look more decorative than, than delicious. Um, and so I don't know. I might eat them later. I hate to waste food, so I'll probably eat them later. We were talking about that um, on another episode. We were talking about how some restaurants just have like, really good carrots you can tell mm-hmm. like somebody cut them and peeled them and then other times you can see they're like like factory cut you know it's just kind of yeah. weird and it's like no thanks yeah um so that so we've kind of talked about this a little bit but like how many wings could you eat um i don't know maybe like eight yeah that's like a i eight. don't know if that's i i so rarely order wings because i'm always like trying to get something that's healthy or healthier. Um, uh, and wings usually like, obviously I'm not making wings at home. Maybe not obviously. And usually when I'm out, I'm like, well, I don't want to be covered in sauce. Cause I'm also messy. Yeah. I think that's also why I got the boneless. Cause I'm like, well, I could cut them up. Yeah. It's definitely, bites. it's definitely, if you can, um, I've, you know, I've noticed like wings are a food I want to like, be really comfortable I want to sit down I really don't want anybody around me to watch this no, you know it's like ribs or crab legs <laughs> exactly or corn on the cob <laughs> yeah <laughs> um that's fantastic thank you for your wing constitution people you know they have really specific ways they like their wings or don't like their wings so that's one of been one of the joys in this podcast is just to hear about how people are so different sometimes mm-hmm. we say like perfect couples would be like a drummy to your flat, you know, like then you could yeah. always share, but, um, whatever. <laughs> um, so during the pandemic, how has it been going for you? How have you adjusted like your work? I mean, are you, are you doing comedy right now or do you have plans coming up? Like, how has that been going for you? 
I have no plans for comedy, um, which is a bummer. I miss it a lot, but I, I also, uh, I, I've done a few Zoom shows, which I don't love. I'll always accept one, yeah. but I don't seek them out. I feel like as far as I'm concerned, I'm just stuck waiting a while, you know? Yeah. Um, I've been having a pretty all right pandemic. I, and I feel kind of guilty saying that, but I mean, it's August now. I've been unemployed since last November. Wow. I mean, our show wrapped at the end of November and um, I uh, just lost my train of thought. Oh, I haven't, I mean, I've had like little gigs here and there, but I haven't had a, like a full-time job since then. So as soon as Jim Jeffrey's show wrapped, I had to immediately adjust to working from home and being unemployed and like continuing to go after stuff. <clears throat> so I've stayed really busy. I have uh, submitted to a bunch of shows. I've done a bunch of little stuff here and there. I'm reading a lot more, which is nice. I started writing for a Danish magazine. Wow, nice. I have a pilot that's being pitched around. Nice. Um, Thanks. I feel really good. And um, my album's coming out. My uh, It's available for pre, pre-order now, and it will be out September 2nd. So, What's it called? It's called Alive for a While. Alive for a While? Yeah. I love it with Lisa Craigs. So, and I recorded it in London last year, which, sorry, I'm just really excited about that. I'm really excited, too. Like, <laughs> is this your first album? It is, yeah. Okay, okay. So it's called Alive for a While. It's coming out where? Like, where can people pre-order it? It's going to be on, I think, everything. I, I, I think it'll be, like, iTunes and Spotify. Um, I'm working out a deal with Sirius right now to do uh, an exclusive release, so it'll be available on Sirius before September 2nd. Um, although that's not locked in yet. Sorry to not have that's details okay. there. That's okay. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thanks. I'm really, really stoked. Now, okay, I want to pick your brain a little bit, and I think it can be valuable for for comics like me or, you know, my friends, um, about some of these things. How do you do that? So I want to ask you that about Mm -hmm. doing an album. Like, how do you come to the decision to, like, I'm going to release an album, and, like, when should you do that? And then I kind of want to pick apart a little bit about writing for television, like, how that yeah. works a little bit if I could, you know, leverage your, your skills. How did you decide like, Oh, I'm going to release an album or how do you record it? Does somebody else do it for you? Or? Uh, well, one albums are a good way to make passive income because mm-hmm. once it's out, then you just, you get payments quarterly. And even if it's a, only a little bit of money, it's like, that's really nice. Um, also, I, I mean, I've been doing stand up for 12 years now at, at, the time I recorded I say 12 years but the first three years I only did like four shows probably in the first three years because I was just like scared and unorganized and working other jobs too much um uh but I just I had an hour I was starting to really hate a lot of it and just because it's like you know when you do a bit over and over and over again you're like enough I never want to hear this ever again um and also there was, I have a big chunk about like having my heart broken. And I was, when I wrote this, when I wrote it, it was really raw. And then by the time I recorded, I had, I had already lost much of the feeling behind it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I really wanted to try to capture that 
feeling of raw emotion, which I was, I feel like I was able to tap into for the, for the album recording. But, um, I, after seeing other people's special, I think you can tell sometimes when they're saying things and they're just over it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want that feeling on my album. So I'm like, I have to record now. Um, so you're in London, you're doing, you have, you know, a show in London and you're like, I'm going to record this for my album or the other way around. I need a show to record this for. Oh, um, I had in, so in 2018 was my first time doing shows in London and I did this club, Top Secret Comedy Club. It's my favorite club, maybe my favorite club in the world there. It's fucking great. Every show is sold out. The audience cannot wait to laugh. Um, oh the gosh. staff is great. They pay you well. Um, and when I was there in 2018, I offhandedly said, I was like, yeah, you know, I'd love to record an album soon, which is not British comics. Don't really, it's not, that's more of an American comedy thing. They don't really do comedy albums. And so the club owner was like, we would love to host you if you want to do that. And so I just built my 2019 tour around that album recording. And it was, it was, it was so fun. And, um, I love the club so much like I, and I'm for anybody that's a comic or tangential to comedy you know like I'm not being famous and also at the time I was unrepped so I'm trying to do everything on my own and when I would reach out to venues in the U U.S. about recording they'd be like yeah I mean we can give you Sunday night um, we're going to charge you to rent this space there's no employees. You have to take your own money at the door. You have to do your own promo because like it again. And this is like, this is a huge criticism of America, but people here care about fame more than anything else. Yeah. Fame is number one. And that's not true in the UK. I mean, I'm sure they care about some celebrities, but even when I was doing clubs and festivals, they're like, don't put your credits in your bio. Nobody cares what shows you've written for. Oh. They're like, they want to know, like your bio should be about you and your perspective and like what they can expect to see at your show. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. My that's merits? New. Like what I, like what I bring oh. to the table? Like who I am? <laughs> I know. And it's such a, it feels like such a crazy change, especially after coming from LA where it's like, you can't get a job waiting tables unless you're famous. You know, it's truly ridiculous. So, um, the club over there, Top Secret, not only offered me the space, they offered me two shows back to back. Um, they let me pick a date. They fully staffed it. They let me keep the door. I'm like, you, uh, it's fucking paradise. Who yeah. wouldn't want to record there? Like, I get to keep all the money and you front all the, the workers just because you want to host my show? And I get to headline your room. This is crazy. Um, that is crazy. It so, yeah. So, that's how I ended up in London. Because Americans are shit. <laughs> did, um, did, was this, um, did you record it audio and visual or just the audio? I did, yeah. I but, did. Well, I did visual just to, like, I didn't do it with, like, a pro camera. Uh -huh. I, they recorded on their camera. Again, something they did for me. <laughs> they recorded on their camera and... Uh, just so I would have it, which is nice too, because I, um, I don't know if I can, I can say this cause it doesn't matter cause it's in Scotland or no, it's not in Scotland. I'm sorry. It's in Liverpool. Um, there's a club I did in Liverpool called hot water and their 
they're hosting the full length video of my set on their website. Nice. Which is nice. Yeah. Um, what did you wear? Uh, like a black kind of see-through crop top Cute. with a black bra underneath. And I don't think you can really see through it. You could see through it in person, it but was, not on camera. Yeah. And you, jeans. Okay. You know, if I was, if some interviewers had asked that, I mean, I'd be, like, offended. But I just like to know what people wear and what, you know, like, you're... you're oh, yeah. Because you're really stylish. In all your pictures, oh, you thanks. know, I see your headshots and stuff. Like, you have a yellow, you know, you can have a green. And I think that's all intentional and purposeful. Mm-hmm. But what is your, like, style on stage? Like, what do you like to perform in? Um, I like something that's comfortable but kind of cool, I guess. I don't, kind of cool makes me sound like I'm a narc. Um, I like yeah. to look cool and hip. Um, no, that makes sense. You don't want to look uh, like a, a bum. Yeah, I I avoid dresses or skirts because it makes me feel exposed and I feel less comfortable in my body if I'm wearing one. Like, I, I feel comfortable in my body in a dress normally, but mm-hmm. when people are staring at you, a room full of people, I'm like, I don't want you looking at my legs. I want you mm. listening to my words, you know? Yeah. So I, I'll do like jeans and a cute top I feel like nothing maybe... ever with words on it you know okay that's interesting that's good I was thinking your style is like kind of like upscale date night kind of oh, okay night chic, yeah. like jeans and a cute top okay um yeah. interesting I like that I do wear dresses but it's mostly because I feel like my butt's so big and if I wear jeans like I feel like it just highlights like everything I don't want to highlight but um I've... what is that noise <laughs> I'm gonna pause it really quick. Okay. Stand by. <coughs> okay, did I do it? Yeah. Okay. So that was my dishwasher. I'm really sorry for the interruption because I was talking about what do you wear on stage. <laughs> um, uh, but I do like your on on stage style and your fashion Thanks. sense. Um, what? So you recorded that special. Um, the club was amazing. Isn't it neat when somebody just, like, supports you and, like, oh, God, yeah. lets you do more of what you want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm friends with uh, my friend Hillary. She's the producer of the uh, Big Pine Comedy Festival. And, oh, yeah. Um, two years ago now, I think it was, I was doing this podcast. I had just launched it, and I was like, I want to get as many people on my podcast. And I was using her headquarters to like meet up with people and do wings and she came up to me and for a minute I thought she was going to be like can you stop like can you and she goes um I really like this can you can you do more of this can you offer more people this up do you need money for a week can I give you some money for more wings and I was like like you just like told me to keep doing what I want to do already like that's really amazing I love that that's so it's so there's so few people that do that And by the way, everyone should be doing that. Just fucking let people do what they want to do and support them in that. I've had so many people that, like, even, like, quote, support me, but their support is, like, telling me to do something different. Uh. And they're like, well, maybe you should be writing this kind of stuff. And I'm like, maybe I should cut you out of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and that's... For me, that's why I started doing stand-up, and, and what I love most about stand-up is I do it on my own. Yeah. Like, I don't have to, and I had, that's why I had to learn how to do this podcast on my own, all the technical shit, is so that I can just do it on my own and not have to ask somebody else for help or, 
you know. Yeah. So it's like absolutely. I'm it's just nice that. to have something you don't have to fucking get approval for. Yes. Um, I just got new stickers and I was like, and by the way, like, do I need these stickers? No, but I want them. And I think I don't have to ask anybody else like, Hey, is this okay? Can I get your final okay on this? Um, yeah. that's refreshing. That is really nice. Um, so <laughs> thanks. I'm having all sorts of ahas on this, Lisa. Um, you also, during the pandemic, you, um, gained a friend. <laughs> you adopted Luna. Tell me, yeah, and that, like, during the pandemic, she's a pandemic puppy, like, how did that happen, and and how did you meet her? Um, I wanted a dog for a long time, and it never felt like the right time, especially because, like, my life was so chaotic, like, especially before I started writing at the Jim Jeffries show, when I was, like, barely surviving I'm like I can't introduce another living thing into this life um and then the pandemic hit and I wanted a puppy because I'm like I don't I didn't want a dog that had been like abused for years and like couldn't handle the sound of music or something you know what I mean like I hate that play it's so sad it's so sad but I'm also like I just I would like a puppy that I can train and mold and be sweet too and like it can grow up to be a cool adult dog and um then with the pandemic I was like every night I was like god I wish I had a dog I wish I had a dog and then I was like looking online and I applied for a couple and I didn't hear anything and then I saw Luna apply for her immediately um was stunned that I got approved like the whole process didn't feel real is that an LA thing like this advanced process girl it is (laughs) because here it's like please take this dog (laughs) can i tell you some of the questions on the fucking thing yeah i got it from some like fancy shelter yeah one of the questions was um what's the most you're willing to spend on the dog in a medical emergency i'm like yeah um what i'm like i i don't know i the as much as i possibly can i guess i I, all that i have can I, i finance it what um and then another question was uh who gets the dog if you die i'm like huh i don't know who gets my body if i die what the fuck the dog's gonna have to figure that out for herself like are you joking they really thought through the dog's rights here i mean the the application is like 30 questions long and and intense invasive questions like that wow It's, it's really a lot that's really nice, um, but you know you want. I mean, I guess you want dogs to go to the right home, to go to good homes, but um, also maybe not deter people from wanting to get a dog either. Right. Well, and I think you can go to like the city shelter and get a dog for like fifty bucks, and they're yeah. like, "Here it is." Yeah, but you also got a puppy. Good luck. No, I get that too with the whole puppy thing because, oh, you missed my perfect joke. You're like, I don't want a dog that can't handle the sound of music and I said I hate that play (laughs) oh I I missed the word play Uh, I don't understand how that's like a family movie it's about Nazis yeah (laughs) am I missing I mean I only saw it once years ago and I was like huh really (laughs) well yeah and it's about like that and I feel like there's some kind of underage shit going on you know and like she's probably it's actually the story of how my parents met like my mom was yeah the maid um so but anyway i'm sorry if you have to explain it you know it's 
I just have to highlight that. But when sometimes when you get when I when I adopted my dog Memphis, he was two years old, and he's just a little weird. And yeah. he, he lives, he emancipated and he lives with his parent, my parents now, but he's still just a little weird and off and you just never know what they're thinking. And like, he'll freak out and sometimes attack my dad and, um, oh, <laughs> but no. he's, he's a mini dachshund, so he's not hurting anybody. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you never really know. So, but it was still like a total, like a rescue. It's not like that dog was bred like yeah. for whatever. Okay. So Luna's a girl. Yeah. And do you know what kind of dog she is? Yeah, she's. I, I did a DNA test because I'm that idiot. Hundred um, percent, uh, she's that. <laughs> she, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's like forty percent German Shepherd, and then like twelve percent pit bull, and then some other random stuff. <laughs> I can definitely see that German Shepherd. She's got some big paws. Yeah. I'm like, she's gonna be a big dog. Huge, huge. I mean, she's like fifty pounds, and she's only six months old. Yeah. She's really sweet. I love the pictures or videos you do of like you holding her and just you're so you have such a nice way about you, Lisa. Like you're so Oh thank you. Like you can really see it, like gentle and just like very loving. You're cutting her nails or doing something with cleaning her paws and I'm like, that is so motherly in a sweet way. Not that you know, I I wish that on people, but it's like that (laughs) gentle that's like the stuff my mom does for me or my mom you know, know, it's just very sweet. You like you have a like kind heart. Oh, thank you. I really love her so much. That's that's really nice. I'm glad you found that friend. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then like you get out and get. I mean, a dog gives you that opportunity sometimes. To, like it's really get out. Honestly, and... when pandemic started, so I'm I'm really self motivated, and I was getting work done pretty much every day after Jim Jeffrey show ended. But then pandemic hit, and it was like you're trying to get work done every day, but you're also experiencing this like low level depression just at all times, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I started sleeping till like 11 and then not being able to fall asleep at night and napping in the middle of the day. And just like my, I felt like there was no structure to my day and I couldn't for the life of me, I couldn't get myself into like a set schedule. Um, and then I got Luna and it added all this structure and I'm getting, not that this is, I mean, I'm so, so obsessed with work. I'm, I have a, a work addiction problem, but I'm getting so much more done because I'm like, I'm up at seven, seven thirty to take her for a walk. And then I like have breakfast and do my morning pages and get a bunch of shit done before I have to take her out again in the afternoon, you know? And it, it puts these nice like guideposts into my day of like morning, noon, and night. I'm taking her out, so I can only work. Yeah, in, like chunks between them. Where I think before I was just kind of like floundering and like trying to work through the whole day nonstop. It's, it's and like that binging. Really... Yeah, you're just like yeah. going nonstop, and then yeah, I feel that. I think I was kind of doing that early pandemic and like not taking breaks. Like, I think I thought if I worked from home that I would not work as much. And I'm like, whoa, I'm working more. And it's yeah. not stopping. Um, it was weird because I right before this happened, I was kind of considering, like, what would it be like to work from home? Maybe I can transition my job to a work from home job so I could maybe travel more and go places. And then it happened. And I'm like, oh, shit. Now we're all working from home. So It is such a bummer that we're all working from home and cannot travel. Because it's like, fuck, oh, you could... I was looking, you could get a one-bedroom beach house in Curacao 
blocks from the like two blocks from the beach for six hundred dollars a month. Yeah, I'm like, why am I not in fucking Curacao right now? What am right. I doing in Los Angeles, paying thirteen hundred dollars a month to live in a studio? I, this is crazy. Well, that doesn't sound that bad. Thirteen hundred a month. Oh, yeah, it's not terrible, but it's uh, I I would like to pay a third of it and live <laughs> Curacao, a block on the ocean. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's what I was doing in, when I went to LA in February, I was like, it was my first, like, outside of a festival, it was like, I want to go to LA and see what shows I can get on, like, ask all the people I've met and, and, and I've met in Phoenix, you know, and it worked. I was able to do shows pretty consistently. Um, and I was like, I'm going to work from LA and I had to get like all these okays from my boss, but it worked. And I wanted to do like what I do here which is work mm-hmm. during the day and then do shows at night. And so it was such a good week, except for that I paid for the hotel. But, um, and then, surprise, you know, now I'm doing that all the time. Um, it's, it's weird life. I, I'm hoping that this, obviously this feels like an interruption in like our plans. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like things were kind of getting going in a nice direction. And I know that's kind of a, like a, like an interruption. I'm just, Hoping it's not going to be a huge one or a, you know. Yeah, me too. It's, it's, everyone I know is like, I was, I think because also like my generation of comedians, things were just starting to like, not just starting, but over the last couple of years, like things were really starting to pop for everyone. And so there's a lot of people that were like right on the precipice where they were like, here comes that one thing and that's going to put me over the top. And then it just goes away. Like, Right before pandemic, Jim Jeffries asked me to start opening for him. And I was like, fuck, yeah, this is going to be a game changer. Like doing theaters and like getting to capture that audience. And it would help me overseas because he's huge overseas. And then everything fucking shut down and everything's canceled. And I'm Mm. like, God. And it was like, I finally, this was the first year I got a JFL showcase and I crushed it. I did, I worked so hard on my JFL set and I did so well. JFL doesn't exist now. I'm like, fuck. There goes like the things, everything. I was starting to put together another tour of the UK. That's gone. I mean, thank God I have my album and like my pilot and other stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm very thankful that I, I'm somebody that always has, like, ten things going on. Because I'm like, whew, it sucked to lose those things. And that's where, uh, like, it makes, I'm almost grateful that I had nothing had like that had happened. I would be even more disappointed. I was, like, trying to work to get a few different things. But, like, it was a little slower. But I'm like, wow, it, you know, if I had gotten JFL and then and then maybe not being able to perform or do it, you know, that would be mm-hmm. really upsetting. Um, well, and then, like, what's hilarious is, like, right at the beginning of this, um, I had I had my JFL showcase literally the week before shutdown, and then my manager emailed me after everything shut down, and he was like, hey, um, JFL callbacks are pushed back to whatever date. But he never clarified whether I had a callback. So then, like, the whole world is screeching to a halt, and I'm like, wait, did I, does that mean I got a callback? I mean, not to be a psycho, but I'm like, this is my first time ever showcasing. Yeah. Just tell, just, and then I replied to him, I was like, wait, does this mean I have a callback? And he didn't answer it, and I haven't 
bugged him about well, it again. I know I, he probably just like was busy with other stuff, but I'm like, now I feel like such a narcissist or a psycho because I'm like, I would like to know, but I'm like, I worked so fucking hard for that. But okay, and it, who was it that told you it was pushback? The manager. But okay. I'm like, I must have gotten a callback. Yeah. Otherwise, why would he email me to say callbacks are pushback? I would say yes. And I feel like um, it's not a narcissist. Like, you know, we assume the negative so, with so many things. Like, why can't we mm-hmm. assume the positive? That's a great point. Like, why not? And especially if it doesn't matter. I, it's uh, also like, it's not, yes, I, I know this is really bad. I know it's awful for a lot of people. That is true. What is also true is that things were finally on an uptick for me, and I was really excited about things that I had worked hard for for a fucking decade. Yeah. Both things are true. It doesn't mean I don't care about people losing their jobs. I care a lot. Yeah. I think, and this is what I'm holding on to, is that when things come back, we will pick up where we left off because people need quality content, quality performers, who are they going to go to? They're going to go to the people they were working with right before that mm-hmm. the thing stopped. It's not like all of a sudden somebody else is going to come and take your place. You know, um, that's just what I'm holding on to. I, it's got to be true. I think, you know, when the clubs opened up here, like I was really glad to, to get some work that way. So I felt like validated and I felt like, okay, I'm still doing this. And if mm-hmm. they shut down again, I'm like, okay, well, at least I've done comedy in 2020. Um, yeah. It's so funny. Some of the stuff I did January, February, early March, I was like, should I be investing my time and money in this? Because I've got the whole year to go, and I only have a certain amount of days off I can take and money for traveling. And I was like, I, you know, I did this uh, small festival in, in Texas, and I, was, and I paid for everything. And I was like, is this – should I use my time on this? And it turns out that was the only festival that, you know, I was able to go to, you know, everything. That's really funny. I mean, it's tragically funny. Yeah. There was, and then um, there was this magical, I don't know what I'm telling you. There's this magical, like, my friend asked me to do a showcase at Jimmy Kimmel's in Vegas. And then that next day I was going to LA. So I went from Texas to Vegas to Phoenix and then drove to LA for a week. And I was like, should I be doing this? It feels like a lot and working like my job. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, make it happen. This is what you love doing. And I'm like, now I'm like, thank goodness I got all, at least I got some recordings in 2020, you know, like. Yeah, no kidding. <sighs> it also like, not, again, not to sound like tone deaf, but in a way I'm thankful for the pandemic because I, I had really overloaded myself with things mm-hmm. and I mean I have not had a full-time job since November. I have not done stand up since March. I'm still catching up on things. I'm still like I have a list and I'm ca- I've gotten a bunch of them done. It was like finish my pilot, release my album, like these big projects that I've given myself, I'm working on a book proposal now. I still haven't gotten to like listening to all of my old voice notes and clearing that out. And like, but you, you just, I, I think especially once you're kind of in the machine, you know, you're, you're expected to do a million things all at once all the time. And also 
have a clean, organized home and also have a full life outside of comedy and also have good relationships with your family. And like things just start to fall apart. Yeah. You know, and I'm like now I miss stand up terribly, but I'm also happy for the time off to read more and get a different perspective on things and watch more movies and write more. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? Like that is a more, silver lining. That is such a What's silver, up? that is such a silver lining. Yeah. You know, those are the things that are always in the back of your mind. Um, and to start knocking them off and like you're releasing an album. It's amazing. Yeah. On September like, 2nd. plenty of time to do promo now. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that's the point too. It's like, and I, I'm saying this for me, but I'm, I was like, Mary, if you want to be a comedian when this is over, just keep doing comedy yeah. and whatever that means. And I think the people who can adapt and, you know, just adapt will end up like kind of surviving. Um, so yeah. I think that is a good silver lining. I think, yeah, I've been connecting with my friends more than I have in the past several years and it's been nice like doing things for my parents, like helping them out because they're older and you know, like I brought them flowers so they didn't run out of making tortillas and stuff like that. Oh, so, that's so sweet. I know. I'm so you may I'm like, I'm a monster, Lisa. I'm not this <laughs> sweet. I'm the worst. But thank you, I'll take it. Um, so I wanna talk just a little bit more about writing because I, I know like you're a writer. Um did you how have you always been a writer was that a passion of yours like how did that evolve into a profession for you is that what you wanted to do um I when I was new in comedy um I remember hearing that it takes like 10 years to you know launch your career as like to real to 10 years of working your ass off before you'll make a living from comedy and I always felt that my writing was stronger than my performing. I don't know that I feel that anymore. Um, I think they've equaled out, but uh, I, for a, at the beginning, I definitely felt that my writing was stronger than my performing. So I thought, well, my way into the business is probably going to be through writing. Hmm. And maybe I'll get staffed on a show and then that can help launch my standup. <clears throat> um, and I don't know that it, I, I feel like they were both, they were kind of like neck and neck as I was like coming up and working on both. Um, but the writing is definitely what's paid my bills. Wow. Or, I mean, I, I, I know I've said this nine times, but like I have not worked since November and I'm fine nice. because, because of the Jim Jeffries show, because it like union writing jobs pay so well. So, okay, so you're in the Writers Guild? Yeah. I feel like I know about this because I listened to the Jackie and Lori podcast and listening to Lori talk about writing for Conan and stuff, and I'm like... Oh, yeah. I feel like I know all about it from that, but... It's so good. I am... uh, I love my union so much. Yeah. It's so, 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 so good, and I have health insurance for the first time in a decade, which is really nice, and like... If I had just been doing stand-up or only been doing stand-up, I'd be fucked right now. Mm-hmm. I would have nothing because it's like, how how do you do? There's no stand-up to be too do. Like you can do it on Zoom, I guess, but it doesn't feel great. Yeah. You know. I like that. 
I didn't even, you know, the, the whole writing thing is, is new to me in terms of like seeing other people, like knowing people who have jobs writing on shows. I'm like, what? That's amazing. Um, um, so fantastic. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, speaking of, so continuing with that, talking about like writing and then stand up, do you have a process? Like, how do you write a joke? How do you launch a new joke? Like I, something so just like whatever pops into my head, yeah. I'll write it down and see if it is something. Um, a lot of times I'll just come up with something in a conversation when I'm ripping with a friend and then I'm like, Ooh, yeah, good point. You know, or I'll read something in the news, just, you know, just life. And then or like something ridiculous that happens to me in an interpersonal relationship. Yeah. And then do you take that when you, when you sit down to write, now you go back to those notes and go, okay, what were the things and develop it from there? Like, um, I think my process used to be a lot sloppier. Um, like I would mostly only work on jokes on stage and then, uh, and then I started once I became a TV writer, then I got more disciplined with my standup writing and, I would like sit down and really look at bits and be like, okay, wh- why is this a weak spot and what could be funnier and where can I extend this? You know? Yeah. I In ways that you just like, your brain just works differently when you're on stage versus when you're sitting down. So I think both things are ve- very valuable. You know? Yeah. I feel like sometimes mm-hmm. mine comes alive when I'm driving to a show and I'm yeah. now in show mode. I'm like, Oh wow. All of a sudden I have all of these bits and thoughts but where was that you know last week when I was trying to write totally yeah yeah interesting I like it um I love these conversations because it just gets my brain back in like go work go do something Mary go you know go do something and do everything. Do everything. Absolutely. Um, what do you want in the next, like, one, I'm going to say one year, real short term? Like, what do you want mm-hmm. most out of anything? And kind of vision board style. If you put it out there, it's going to happen. What do you want? Uh, I would like my pilot to sell. I would like it to specifically go to a network because network is big money. Um, and... I wanted to sell and I wanted to start developing and I would like to buy a house. Mm. Um, uh, and I also, I mean, I have a million other things I want to do. I'm obviously releasing my album. I, I'm starting to work on a book proposal. Um, yeah, I, I think the pilot is the main, yeah, my, my main thing right now because I'm like I've been working on it for three years now and I love it so much and I think other people would love it as well if it gets to see the light of day. It's at it's at a handful of production companies right now, so we're waiting to bring it here back. How do you distribute? Is that something you do like through your management? Like, how do you get your work into the hands of gatekeepers? Um. I do have a manager now and he is sending it out. If he didn't, I would just reach out to people personally, mm. um, which would be, I, I wouldn't be as protected, Yeah, you know, as having somebody attached to it. Um, so I'm very, I'm very thankful to have him. Um, but yeah, he, we, my, my friend Rick Wood and I wrote our pilot together. And um, so 
we had five production companies that were our top five. And so my manager went out to them first. And after that, then if we get five no's, then we'll just move on to five more production companies. And luckily there's like 200 production companies in LA yeah. or probably more. Um, so we, we have a ways to go. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Just Thanks. Even, you know, like just finishing something like that, I think is a huge feat. Like I heard somebody say once about like, the books that get written or the shows and the movies that get done are the ones that got finished. You know, there's It's crazy how much you it's so much work. It's so much work and everything takes so long. And I think if you told me three years ago this is gonna take three years, I'd be like, forget it. Mm-hmm. Um But it's also like I mean my, Rick writes on ridiculousness. I've written on a handful of shows, both of us tour, both of us do festivals and stuff so it's 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 been a very slow three years it's not like I think it would be much different if we both just had barrels of money and didn't have to work and we're pursuing nothing else and we just sat down and worked on this pilot every day for a year you know um I think we would have had it sold two years ago had we done that um but you know you work on it three days in a row and then you don't touch it for two months because you're out of town or out of the country or whatever. And then, and then you start to work on it. And then one of you goes into the hospital. Fucking Rick was in the hospital last year. Poor thing. Um, but you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a lot of stops and starts with things like that. Yeah. So you just have to be in it for the long haul. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's your passion and if you really like it, it kind of lets you know if you really like it. And by the end of it, you're like, you believe in it because you've you've stayed with it for this long. Um, well, and sh- though thou, you know, you shall have it. I, I love putting it out there, and I wish that for you too. I hope Thank you. you will get it. Um, I think vision boarding is good. Like putting it out there, it makes things more you know likely to happen. Um, what do you like to watch or listen to? Like, what are your favorite? Um, do you have any favorite shows or? Um, I'm reluctant to say comics or comedy because I know that's always weird when you do comedy. Like I, I can't watch. I have a hard time watching comedy sometimes. But like, oh really? Sometimes. I love it so much. I um, I watch a, a pathetic amount of television, meaning like um, almost none. Uh, <laughs> I've been this week. I, you know what I've been watching is the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Ah, uh, nice. Watching that, which I always liked, but I didn't. I didn't watch. You know, in order yeah. now, I've been watching it from the pilot. Um, I really enjoyed Narcos. Oh, yeah. Um, Glow was one of my favorite shows. Mm-hmm. I love Glow, especially, like, the first season is so good. It um, uh, That's kind of it. That's cool. I was, I was watching a lot of Last Week Tonight because I love it so much. Yeah. Um, and then I got really close to getting hired and I didn't get it. And now I'm not bit, I'm not mad. It just hurts. Oh, <laughs> now so I can't you... watch it because I'm just sad. So, okay. I remember you telling me that back in December, that was like your goal. And I wasn't sure if, you know, you had, you were submitting packets and stuff, but, um, yeah, got super close. That's and, a re- you know, that's, uh, a, that's a really oof. big, it though. still feels good to have been close. Cause it yeah. is my favorite show. And I think it's so good. And I know the barrier for entry is so high on that show. Uh, but God damn it. I would love to have yeah. worked on that, show, especially in an election year. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, they really, so fun. 
what am I trying to say? I was going to say they really pivoted nicely with the pandemic. Um, but that's, I mean, you know, writing is, you can do that from anywhere. And it was just maybe the onset stuff. I told you my friend works for that show as like a field team manager. Um, but, um, I don't know. I don't know if there's work that she's doing, but, um, I love, I love that one. I love that one. And I like Seth Meyers a lot and Colbert. I like Seth Meyers. I love Sam B. Yeah. I don't watch that one as much. And then I like Trevor Noah too. Yeah. Um, I kind of like everybody. I I mean, I'm not really like, I I love comedy so much and I'm not, I, I can't, it's hard for me to be like a comedy snob because I'm like, I don't know. There's like, I don't like a lot of silly comedy typically, but then there's a lot of silly shit that I absolutely love that yeah. I'm like, this is the, like Nathan for you is yeah. the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, I can't get enough of it. It's, yeah. it's so good. Well, some of those shows, like I rely on for my news and to hear from a smart perspective, like I watched the closer look on Seth Meyers just to kind of put the political stuff in perspective for me and help me understand mm-hmm. things and uh, Colbert. And I think since the 2016 election, I kind of can't watch some of the ones that don't address it anymore because I feel like this shit's important. Like I don't, I can't not, I can't avoid it. And so I've, I kind of had steered more towards um, like Colbert and Seth Meyers because I like, and even Trevor Noah and Sam B because they're tackling, you know, real issues. Like we don't have time for silly shit anymore. I feel yeah. like, um, but I think that's how political has turned into my entertainment too. And that's maybe why I'm frustrated all the time. Um, yeah. That's an interesting. I get it. I definitely get it. I have to like calm myself down. Like once a week or something, I'm like, <laughs> I just need to, I just need to shut off Twitter and read a book and back up a little bit because it's, you can get really worked up, especially, you know, I mean, obviously the things we're watching are also biased, but it's like, uh, so they, they amp you up in a certain way, but it's also like, yeah, but Trump is evil. Mike Pence is evil. Mitch McConnell is evil. The three of them should not be alive right now. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's like, yes, you're worked up, but you're worked up for good reason. But you also have to just like, there's nothing I can do about Trump being president. He's president right now. That's yeah. tough shit for me and for millions and millions of other people. And you just have to step back and live your life sometimes too. Yeah. You know, and there are people, I this blew my mind. There are people who don't pay attention to any of it and they just live their lives and they go out there. And I feel like the ignorance is bliss, I guess. They're, they're kind of happy mm-hmm. or at least they're not concerned with it. And sometimes I'm jealous of that, but then I'm also like, wow, you know, your head's in the sand. But. Yeah, I used to, I, I think I used to be jealous of that, of like, well, or not, maybe not jealous, but I felt like, like I had a roommate who paid, I don't think she could name the vice president, and I'm not even joking. Um, I'm going to take a picture but of that. But she's, yeah, she was like so uh, disconnected and also so happy. And I thought, you know what? Maybe she's got the right idea. But then I'm like, wait a minute. No, this is a fucking democracy. You can't, you have to participate because her not participating as a a white woman hurts other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're, and she's a, she's somebody who is a very good person and very kind and compassionate. And I'm like, 
I know you would vote the quote right way. I know you would vote for progress. Um, so you need to fucking vote, but she does not. And, uh, it makes me fucking crazy. Yeah. You know, um, sorry, I'm swearing a lot. No, you can swear. That's totally okay. Um, and before I, I was going to wrap up, but you made me think about like the recent, like you are active in the things that you believe and you get out there and you protest and not just like, you know, you're not just talking the talk. You literally walk the walk. Like I saw on your social media, you were involved in that. Tell me about what was that like, that experience protesting in Los Angeles? It feels great. It's nice to see so many other people that give a shit. Um, it's really nice. It's, I, I mean, I didn't just start protesting this year, but I definitely ramped up my activism this year, partly because I do have free time. Um, but also because I'm, you know, like after Trump got elected, I realized, and I think a lot of us realized it's not enough to not be racist or not sexist or whatever. You have to be actively against those things because Mm -hmm. The people that are racist, sexist, homophobic, whatever, are actively working to push their agenda forward. So you you have to get involved. You mm-hmm. can't just sit back and, and vote and be like, I voted, my work is done, because it's not, it's not enough. Um, especially seeing, like, once I started getting, educating myself on, like, the city budget in L.A. and the fact that you can... You can tune in to the city meetings. They're open. Mm-hmm. You can watch them on Zoom. And when you hear that the police officers here have over 50% of the budget, and that budget goes to things like tanks, grenade launchers, keeping cops in schools. It's like, what the fuck? How did it get to this point? Yeah. You know? And you're like, listen, we. C- I feel like we can disagree on... You can disagree on a lot of things politically. And I, I, I'm willing to find common ground with people on a lot of things. Police officers should not have grenade launchers right. under any circumstances. They should not have tanks. They should not have military equipment because they're not military fucking personnel. And mm-hmm. it's not a war zone. It's a city. And it's like when you hear that the cops are getting more than 50% of the budget while I'm watching actively homelessness explode in my city where when I moved here, I mean, there was obviously there's been homeless people. There was a big homeless population on skid row. Now I walk outside of my front door. There's tents everywhere. I drive to the grocery store. There's tents everywhere. And it's not, I'm not saying that like, obviously it's not pleasant to look at. That's not even my point though. It's that people are in desperate need of resources and help and we're paying insane taxes here fine but none of that money or not none of it such a small percentage of the taxes we pay are going to help people and most of the taxes are going to threaten people and uh, intimidate people and hurt people and murder them in the street and then not get do you know what i found out sorry this is a tangent um I can't remember what the number is. It's millions of dollars. The LAPD pays out millions of dollars a year for lawsuits uh-huh. or for stuff like going, breaking into the wrong house or breaking in, uh, like going into the wrong house, uh, sh- shooting and killing somebody, shooting and killing their dog, whatever. We pay millions and millions of dollars. 
that doesn't even come out of the police budget. That's extra money pulled out of the rest of the city budget. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding? I also thought that was an interesting contrast to um, a few months ago when medical workers didn't have the PPE that they needed. Yes, exactly. But, but then if you looked at the, 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 the riot gear that police were wearing and the, and the resources that they had, it was like, mm-hmm. and then, and then also just to see like how, you know, what was it? The, the, um, the anti-maskers right before this protested with AK-47s and the yep. police were not even in I any... I not have cared less. They weren't even in any extra gear. And then in you, the Capitol building, yeah. no less. And then, it, and then, you know, in these in these protests, they're just like dressed up to the nine. They've got, you know, these weapons and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who came for a riot? You know, I not us. I went to protest downtown a couple months ago. And when we got there... There was the National Guard was there, and some of them, Mary, had their rifles up, finger on the trigger, pointing at people. I'm like, we're it's fucking noon, guys. What are you doing? This is cr- it's. We are walking through the streets with a perm as part of a permanent protest. Mm-hmm. We are unarmed citizens, and you have an AR-15 pointed at me with the finger on the trigger for what? What? This is crazy. And it's like, it's more of a mind fuck when you're like, wait a minute, I'm paying that guy's salary. I bought that gun. I bought that uniform. I, You know what I mean? Like, yeah, my mayor called them into the city. This is, and, oh, I live right down the road from the police station and I, I live fairly close to Hollywood Boulevard. So when the National Guard was here, they were... On my street, Mary. Mm-hmm. Posted up on my street. I don't know if you saw on my street. I saw on your Instagram, like, yeah. Yeah, I went up on my roof and there's tanks rolling down my street with arm. I'm like, I've been to Turkey. I've been to Israel. I've been to Jordan. I have never seen anything like this. Never. It's fucking crazy. And it's like, that's being pulled out to stop peaceful protesters? Yeah. Where do we live? Sorry, I'm, I'm like really. No, I'm so sad. I'm so sad and disappointed. Um, but I, I would say the one thing that I think is neat, I think like, just like the pandemic, there's these silver linings and I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm really excited for the young people to, because I feel like this, this young people generation has gotten a bad rap or they haven't really been too motivated Mm -hmm. and this really woke them up and and got them out there. And I was comparing it to, I've, I've been obsessed with John Lewis ever since, you know, since he died and like hearing his stories and learning more about it. But like, he was one of those quote young thugs you know protesting and look what he was able to achieve and do and Mm -hmm. now i'm like who in this group is gonna like rise up and really work and and do things you know Mm -hmm. and and do things for society so like we're just it's the next uh, generation of leaders and and hopefully an activist so well i think also we we tend to underestimate back to like to to rapid (laughs) rapid uh back around to the, the first thing with like all, all talking about all we can accomplish. Like, I think we oftentimes think that we can only achieve our, the things we can achieve are limited on our own. Mm-hmm. But then my friend Shannon in the midst of this started an organization called black women lead. She is black. <laughs> um, she started an organization called Black Women Lead. 
for the first event, they had, uh, she put together, on like a Thursday, by the way, she was like, hey, everybody, I'd lo-, like, she started tweeting. She's like, I think we should do something to honor Brianna Taylor specifically. Her birthday is this weekend. Let's all get together at Pan Pacific Park on Sunday. There were thousands of people there. Wow. And it's like, just from one person. And now she has this organization and she did, um, I just volunteered with her last week in, I think it was in Crenshaw. We went to a YMCA and set up shop and handed out 5,000 free meals to like homeless and needy people. And it felt so good. And I'm like, holy shit, this is my friend that I used to work at a restaurant with a decade ago, more than a decade ago. I'm like, this is my friend who was like, you know what? Um, This is what I'd like to see in the community. And then just fucking did it. And all the people that back her and are just, it's, it's incredible to watch her organization grow and to watch what she's capable of doing. And it's just her. I mean, it's not like she has a team helping her now, but it's like, I love that and I love when people are doing things that are just so personal and direct like you know handing a meal to somebody that's an impact that you're having uh, right feels now so good. Yeah. yeah and so I also like it um I like when this might sound weird but when people make it easy like if you want people to donate if you want people make it easy for them and mm-hmm. there's and I love when people put a Venmo in their request because then you're like, oh, that's easy. If you were set up in Venmo, like, boom, I can easily send that over. So I think that's been a, a fun way to get involved, you know, if when I have extra money or, you know, if you do a Zoom show, they'll Venmo you. So I, that you always have, like, a little bit sitting in Venmo. Um, but I just like it when people make it easy. Like, if you want people to get involved, here, we've done it for you. Just hit send. Um, or here, here is a meal. Like that is something very direct you can do for Mm -hmm. somebody. So, um, that's amazing. And you said it's called black women lead. Uh huh. Love it. I'm going to look them up. I think there's some like underscores in it. I'll I'll say, I'll tell you right now. Okay. It's black underscore women lead on Instagram. Women lead. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. We will check them out. Um, okay, last question because I feel like this <laughs> this really identif- like ex- like shows like how I am where I love talking about the deeply political, but I also want to talk just quickly about um, boys and yeah. <laughs> relationships. But I wanted to ask you, you're single right now, right? I am. What do you think? Um, is it easier to do all the things that you're doing and pursue comedy being single? Do you would you prefer to have a partner in that? Would you like to? It's way easier being uh, single. No it's hesitation. So much, yeah, it's <laughs> so much easier because you don't have to consider anyone else. I mean, it's that simple. I, I and I, um, I'm still friends with my ex. I, mm-hmm. I care about him so much, uh, but it's like in order to have a health, a good, healthy relationship, you do have to concede a lot of your stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and some days you find yourself wondering, fuck, should I have kept that show or was it a better decision for me to stay in and have a date night tonight? And um, I, 
I mean, like, I don't regret any time I spent with him at all. Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm like, I really love, I love comedy and I love my career. And I don't know if it would be different if, I, I don't know if it would be a better match maybe for me to be in a relationship with somebody that was doing something a little bit closer to what I'm doing. Cause my mm-hmm. ex is a, the most recent ex is a, a TV director. He's a sports director and that's really cool, but it's also, I don't understand at all what he does and he doesn't really understand what I do. And the schedules are different. It's well, and it's such a different, it's not, he's not directing comedies. He's yeah. directing sports and sports is an entirely different genre. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the sweet spot is. And I also am like, maybe I'm not suited for a relationship. Maybe I should just be flying solo. Should you just have like a lover? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I don't mind it. I also get kind of like, I don't know. I, I feel like I get bored easily and, um, yeah, it's just, it's tough because you want somebody to get it, but like, I've dated a couple of comics and that's a lot of fun until it it's over and you see their dumb fucking face on a billboard. And mm. then you're like, this is no fun at all. You I told me this. about that. Yeah. I find that. Yeah. Well, I, I always complain about not having a boyfriend. So that's why, you know, I wanted to ask you since you've had kind of both experiences and you're, you're doing your thing and you're, you're, you're doing all of this. So I'm like, what is better? So I should probably just appreciate this time that I have solo. Um, and then, uh, if something happens, it happens. Um, I think some people are also more like relationshipy people where like, uh, I'm the asshole where like my boyfriend would be like, let's uh my ex would be like let's watch a movie and i'm like ah, i don't want to watch a movie i want to go to a comedy show or i want to yeah. fucking work on my bit or i want to write an s a comedic essay to submit to a publication like i one percent of the time want to watch a movie and that's like on christmas or if i'm on my period <laughs> i can't yeah i can't watch i can't sit down and watch a movie i've been trying to it's make impossible. myself no, I can't. I, I, my mind races. I should be doing 10 other things. Um, I was, I, I was very jealous early pandemic. And I, again, I know nobody had it great, so I shouldn't be that jealous. But you know, when people were like taking time to take care of themselves and yoga and learning a language, like I was still working my day job. And so I, I didn't really have that much extra time and my brain was still being used, but I daydream about like going away for like at least a week and writing or doing those things but I feel like I've done that and I haven't done it so I don't know what it's gonna take I don't know yeah I saw a TikTok of a girl taking the train from Boston to to San Francisco I think and I was like that looks like so much fun maybe that is the captive you know thing that I would need um I'd probably just do a TikTok like she did but anyway. It is also like, I do think, especially for creatives, it's important to change up your environment. Like I never minded living in a studio. I'm like, whatever. I, 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 I was gone four months last year in a row. And then I, I probably including the, if you add in the other weeks I was gone, I was probably gone closer to six months of last year. Yeah. So I'm like, whatever, why would I have a bigger place and pay more money if I'm gone half the year? And now that it's pandemic, I'm like, I'm going to fucking murder somebody if I don't move into a one bedroom very soon. 
because I can't look at these four walls over yeah. and over and over again, you know? I feel for the people who had just moved to New York. I have a couple of friends who just moved, and so they're in these tiny oh, places. God. And then you can't go out. Like, you moved to New York to be outside of your apartment, and now you, you can't do it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's torture. Lisa, thank you so much. This was so nice me. to talk to you. And, like, I feel off today, but I it, I feel so much more centered and focused on, like, just, like, doing, you know, just do something, you know? Like, go write and go go chase your dreams. And, yeah, there's a pandemic, but there's so much to do. Yeah. Where can people there's follow you? There's so much you? to do. Oh, um, you could find me on my website at lisacurry.net um i'm on instagram at olympian lisa curry and i'm on twitter at lisa underscore curry and i will have album information posted all over all of those things yeah I'm that's coming out about it. september 2nd alive for a while <laughs> yeah thanks so much and you guys thank you so much for listening be safe and we'll see you next time bye-bye